You're listening to Just One of the Guys, where each one of these final issues is just like coming home. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home Settle down, it'll all be clear Don't pay no mind to the demons, they fill you with fear Trouble, it might drag you down Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast hosted by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. My name's Sean Engel, and my job on the show is to cover the Green Lantern comics, specifically the Green Lantern comics coming out between cover date June 1990 and cover date November 2004. All the while, I'm trying to put a special emphasis on my two favorite characters in Green Lantern comicdom, Kyle Rayner and Guy Gardner. And once again, I'm taking a look at the final run of Kyle Rayner's book. Today in issue 178 of Green Lantern, Kyle is wrapping up his storyline by taking on one of his most famous villains from his run, the Green Lantern Hunter Fatality. Yes, the last survivor of the planet Zanshi, who has an incredible mad on for Jon Stewart, and will eventually have a incredible something else for Jon Stewart later on in the story, has decided to take Kyle down with a poison dart to the neck. Hopefully Kyle will be able to overcome this setback. I've got to assume he will because we've got a few more comics to cover. It'd be kind of crappy if, you know, we didn't have Kyle in the book. Plus, we get the secret reveal at the end of the story, who the mastermind behind all this is. And if you know Kyle Rayner's history, you probably have an idea of who it is, and it's probably going to turn out to be awesome. But uh, before we get to that, I'm going to play the obligatory podcast promos, as well as some for some podcasts that I definitely think you should listen to. Then we'll do a quick check of the Just One of the Guys email bag, and then hop right into our coverage of the Ron Mars penned, go away Ben Rabe, Ron Mars penned Green Lantern number 178. Stay tuned after the promos, folks. didn't see you there. Welcome to Comic Book Fight Club. My name is Jif S. Fishman Esquire. And I am Gene Theodore Hendricks. Here at Comic Book Fight Club, we sit fireside sipping our brandy and discussing who would win in a bout of fisticuffs with other members of the comic book Illuminati. 
Yes, you caught us at a good time as Kevin Smith, Stan Lee, and the late Bob Kane just went on a beer and nacho run. Have you ever wondered who would be victorious in a bout? Galactus or Unicron? How about the Incredible Hulk versus the Monster Doomsday? What about G.I. Joe versus the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or the equally important bout of the Snorks versus the Smurfs? And of course, the Titanic duel between Archie and Jimmy Olsen? And you can expect the intelligent and erudite debates to sound something like this. But I always thought Transformers fans were intelligent and literate, so they should see that Galactus has to be the winner. Like, he's hungry. Oh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to get weaker, and, 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 and Reed Richards is going to be able to beat me. I don't know anything about Rob other than uh, he was defeated by Parker Brothers. Oh, it's, I mean, back, to, back to one of Sean's points, saying he got out of the, out of the Silac. You know, every time he's gotten out of that in any story, he has to get put back in it because he's a bitch. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, ah, 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 no! No! no. Oh, I tap out! I tap out! You are a sick, out. sick man. Sir. I'm not familiar with the last one. I need. I might have to hit Google Image Search here. So won't you join us for some witty discourse, a fine snuff, and a tincture of sherry as we debate over these all-important matters here only on Comic Book Fight Club. You can find the show at twotruefreaks.com and on iTunes by searching for Comic Book Fight Club. Please also join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash comicbookfightclub. Hi, this is Patrick, and this is my dad. And we record a podcast called Make Dad Read Comics, and to best understand what the podcast is about... Explain what we do on the podcast, Dad. Well, my son he used to read, well, he still reads comics. He's 30 years old, he reads comics. And he used to read comics back to high school, and I made fun of them. And then one day I was thinking, as he was talking to me, that, you know, when you make fun of something, really, you're showing your ignorance. So perhaps I should actually look at these comics. So he started having me read these comics. Boy, oh boy, they are something different. Are they designed for low light and dumb people? <laughs> no, 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 no. I've learned they're really not designed for low lights and dumb people. But they are frivolous to a large degree. Silliness runs through them. So, if you want to be frivolous and silly but not dumb and low light, please listen to Make Dad Read Comics. You can find us on iTunes. It is Make Dad Read Comics, and he gets a treat for reading comics. I do. <laughs> Every week. Every week. Something good from the pastry shop. Something good from the pastry shop. Bye. Gathered together. From the far reaches of the internet. Are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero. Superman. Superman. Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring Superman and Batman, Golden Age Superman, 
the Superman Fan Podcast. The DC Comics Presents Show. From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. It's Superman, the Schuster Herald Podcast. The Kara's Herald Podcast. Superman Forever Radio. Superman Lives. Up, up, and away. Cadmus to Crisis, a Superboy podcast. The Amateur Steel, a John Henry Allen's podcast. The world's best podcast. And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, Russell Bragg, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Sam Rizzo, Danny Sapp, Bob Fisher, Chris Moe, Mario Benessi, Drew Wintermeyer, David Byer, Matthew Epps. I'm Isaac. I'm Adam. Dave Eunice and co host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Daddy, what did you do when Atlantis attacked? I donned my iron armor to fight with Namor the Submariner! That was Iron Man. What did you do when Atlantis attacked? I gathered a group of heroes to fight against the serpent crime with my mighty shield held high! That's Captain America. Try again! I spun a web any size? Spider-Man. Uh, I punished the drug dealers? I have no idea. But are you just doing another podcast? Another podcast? Yes. Mark's Mess vs. Atlantis Attacks, a 15-part limited podcast series examining the Marvel annuals that have the banner heading of Atlantis Attacks. A story... A story joining the Marvel heroes against the Serpent Crown. Find it at marksmesspodcast.blogspot.co.uk on Twitter at Mark's Mess Podcasts and on iTunes by searching Mark's Mess. Where's my fiber? And we're back. And I'm actually hoping to get a chance to catch up on Mark's Mess's podcast. Uh, the idea of covering the Atlantis attacks series of annuals really sounds like a lot of fun and just from that promo alone it sounds like the mark's mess podcast would be something i need to check out i'm thinking once i get done with actually recording a show going back well not recording the show but when i finish up just one of the guys going back and listening to all those mark's mess podcasts so i'll definitely look forward to that plus we also had a trailer for the superman podcast network and i just heard as of time of this recording that my good friend Michael Bradley, who I host the Parallel Lines podcast with, is going to be starting up Superman and Batman again. So you'll be getting Superman and Batman, I think, starting around August 4th. So look forward to that. I'm, I've had so much fun working with Michael Bradley on Parallel Lines, and I'm kind of upset to, you know, that I think that I may have taken away in some way from him doing Superman and Batman shows. But now that unfortunately that's going to be ending rather soon as well he's going to be able to get back to doing superman and batman on a regular basis and covering them in world's finest and whatever team-ups they have so i'm looking forward to those shows so definitely go check out these podcasts and all the podcasts that i feature here on just one of the eyes but enough podcast podcast enough podcast promo playing pendattery i guess i don't know let's move on to emails you've got mail Pattern baldness. <laughs> and our first email this time out comes from my good friend and Two True Freaks podcast extraordinaire host, Mr. Gene Hendricks. Gene writes in with the title of his email, The Dark Ages. And I don't think this is going to be covering, you know, Medieval Knights or Arthurian Legends because he's already mentioned he doesn't really care about that. 
He says, Sean, I just wanted to drop you a line to thank you for toughing it out through the dark times, a.k.a. the Ben Rob issues or rave issues. Who cares? It's over. <sighs> You've read them so that we don't have to, and I appreciate that. I mean, it sounds like the guy went to went in to purposefully destroy everything that had been built up prior to this stint. I mean, the Kyle stuff is all right, I guess, but the character assassination on Jade is just awful. Good for you for sticking to your mandate and getting through these. Now go watch the Green Lantern movie to cleanse your mental palate. I think you need it. You know, as much as people rail on the Green Lantern movie being substandard, I would prefer watching that movie every day and twice on Sundays if it were watch that rather than talk about the Ben Rabe issues and read those because yeah, they were awful. But he brings up a good point that I'm kind of wondering about myself. Was Ben Rabe's run meant to be a character assassination of Jenny? Was he actually trying to wreck the book? So Kyle's character gallery and Kyle himself possibly would be so unpalatable that people would be clamoring when Jeff Johns brought back Hal Jordan for Rebirth. I really hope that isn't the case, but if you look at the way he's written Jenny and the characters in this book, you've got to kind of wonder if he's trying to make the readers just so incensed by their actions that that they can't latch on to the characters, that they have no desire to read any more things about these characters, and that Hal Jordan would be an easy shoe-in for the run. I'm hoping that's not the case. I don't think Dan DiDio would want to do that. And I, as I spoke with Trentus Magnus, I don't think Jeff Johns wanted to do that. Jeff Johns had respect for Kyle Rayner. And I think the fact that he wrote the character so well in the Rebirth storyline, I think he, I, I think it was just Ben Rabe is just a bad writer. Because if that were the case, Johns could have came in and just completely ignored Kyle and not tried to make him an integral part to the Green Lantern Rebirth storyline, and then after that, the Green Lantern core storyline. But thank you, Gene, for writing into the show. I always appreciate getting letters from Eugene, and Gene is, you want to say letter hack, but that's a that's a ill description of what he does. He is such a wonderful fan of all these shows, and he listens to so many and is he contributes to so many of the shows, and I can't say how thankful I am to have Gene write into the show. Our next uh, email comes in from a new emailer. Uh, her name is Lauren Phillips, and she writes in about episode 173. She says, Sean, I'm new to listening to comic book podcast and was very happy to find just one of the guys after it was mentioned in a Lantern Cast podcast. Well, there's money that I owe Chad and Mark, I guess. She says, I'm not sure what date of the episode of the show since I've been skipping around. <clears throat> I was particularly excited since I was a fan of this Green Lantern comic and had been rereading the series after buying sub after buying a number of back issues. Believe it or not, I actually got into Green Lantern after flipping through it for several months at a grocery store. It's hard to imagine a time when grocery stores actually had single issue comics in their magazine section. Oh, don't get me started. I am I have seen every once in a while when I go to Toys R Us, they have a uh, some DC and Marvel comics in the toys section over by some of the Marvel and DC toys, obviously, but it's pretty limited. And I don't know. It's not most comics. Now you don't find in magazine sections, which I think does a disservice to comics. You 
put comics where kids are going to want to read them, you're going to get more sales. But yeah, that is surprising. She says she remembers flipping through issue 118 or 119, The Return of Donna Troy, although I didn't actually buy anything until 122. Kyle became one of my favorite characters. I listened to your episode 173 and thought you needed to support email immediately. <laughs> wow, was I that down? I Yeah, I think I probably was. I was pretty uh, upset about that run. She says you've had a bad patch. You've hit a bad patch. It's been a very long time since I've read the end of Winnick's run on this Greenlander series, but I remember being unhappy with it. I absolutely hated the GLGA crossover, and I dropped the book at that point. The only issue I have of Ben Rabe's run was issue 170, which I believe I bought for the summary of Kyle's activities. Yeah, the the clip show episode, oh, that was just phenomenally bad. I just reread it and hated it. Well, I'm glad we're in the same boat then, Laurel. That's good to hear. Your evaluation was dead on. I found myself actually chuckling out loud at your biting commentary. How DC Editorial allowed a writer to destroy Jenny's character like this is beyond me. When she left Kyle in space to return to Earth, Jenny said she loved Kyle and would wait for him. But when the going gets tough, she desperately wants to cheat on him in his own apartment. Classy. You know, Laurel, I couldn't agree with you more, and that is a completely apt description of the change in character of Jenny. When Kyle went off into space, she was like, I love you, Kyle. I'll wait for you. Ben Rabe comes in. Next issue, I've got to find a new boyfriend to fill this emptiness in my heart and other bodily organs. Sorry. In my current rereading of the series, I just finished issue 98 and 99. Oh, those are good ones. That's the Future Shock storyline. It's an adventure Kyle had in the 30th century with the Legion of Superheroes. I also had a copy of Green Lantern 1 million, so I reread that too. Awesome. Another great issue. I loved the Brian Hitch art in that, and it tied in. I, I need to go find the Martian Manhunter book because I hear that ties in with, with it as well. She said, I listened to your episodes for those issues, and your podcast is extremely good, and I was happy to follow along with my own copies. You're concise and thoughtful. It's obvious you spend time thinking about each issue, and when you have guests on, they're informative, and you stay, for the most part, on topic, which I enjoy. Again, I've got to attribute that to the guests. Whenever whenever I have guests on, it's nice every once in a while to go off on tangents, but I think we stay focused on the material, and I, I've been really lucky to have some great people on who I think have really enhanced the show. So thank you very much for the kind words, Laurel. She wraps up saying, as earlier, I don't have Rab Rabe's run and only picked up that one book back with issue 176 when Ron Mars returns as writer. I won't give you my remembered impressions here since I don't know how far ahead you've read. I do plan to reread those issues when you get to them, though. In the meantime, I compliment you on continuing to slog through a comic you're obviously not enjoying. It can't be easy, and your dedication to completing the entire series in your podcast is appreciated. Best of luck, Laurel Phillips. Laurel, thank you very much for such th so many kind words. I really appreciate it when people compliment me on doing this silly little podcast. I'm I'm glad that you're appreciative of me trying to do this. Uh, I'm one of these people when I start something, I always like to try and finish it. And I wanted to make sure that even though I hadn't any knowledge of the Ben Ray run and what the quality of it was going to be that I was going to finish it. So it is tough. And yeah, some of those issues were bad, but I think now that I've gotten on back into the, and into the Ron Mars run and Ron Mars writing the story, 
things are definitely turning around and I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the book right now. So, but thank you again for writing in Laurel and thank you again for writing in Gene. If you guys would like to write into the show, the email address is just one of the guys podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to read your email on the next episode that I record. But for now, let's close up the email bag and get into our coverage of Green Lantern number 178. Green Lantern number 178 had a cover date of August 2004, a release date of June 30th, 2004, and a cover price of 225 US and 350 Canada. The title was Homecoming, question mark, part three, and the writer, of course, was Ron Mars. Yes. Thank. Thank whatever deity you want to thank for that. The penciler was Luke Ross. The anchor was Rodney Ramos. The colorist was Moose Bowman. Letter was Jared K. Fletcher. The associate editor was Stephen Wacker. The editor was Peter Tomasi. And the cover art was done by Brandon Peterson. Our story opens with Green Lantern John Stewart entering his girlfriend Miranda Thalys' apartment via the fire escape, as flying superheroes are wont to do. Calling out for his beloved in hopes that they can have a little alone time together, John spies a letter addressed to him lying on the coffee table in the room. In what I'm hoping is a prime example of irony, Stephen Lacey will correct me if it isn't, the letter to John is actually a Dear John letter, detailing Marin's desire to find herself on this planet without having to be tied to John as Green Lantern. Devastated, John sinks into the nearby chair, holding his head in his hands. Elsewhere, in another tale of male-female interactions gone wrong, Fatality blasts Kyle Rayner with a bolt of energy from her new improved power spear, but Kyle definitely deflects it with a ring construct shield and tells the last Sanchean that he's had a really bad day and isn't ready to put up with this. Fatality agrees and pops Kyle in the neck with a tranquilizer dart filled with enough neurotoxin to futz up his ability to concentrate. Dazed, Kyle attempts to form any type of construct to face down Fatality, but at best he can only muster some amorphous shapes. Realizing he's got to make a tactical retreat, Cow awkwardly flies off, smashing into buildings as he goes and bemoaning his inability to focus. But Fatality is right behind him and continues her pummeling of the Green Lantern, eventually knocking him into the harbor near the USS Intrepid. Feeling a little more clear-headed, Cow tries to fly off, but gets tackled to the deck of the carrier by the foxy assassin. It's the ring he wants and he is not terribly concerned whether your hand is attached to it or not, Fatality yells as she attempts to axe Cal's ring hand off. Wondering exactly who Fatality is working for, Cal musters up all his will and creates a giant Beano slash Dennis the Menace hybrid who tosses one of the carriers F-14 straight at Fatality, knocking her into an abandoned construction site. Hoping to get some answers, Cal rings up some mole men to dig out the sexy slayer, and upon finding her, he demands she tell him who's behind all of this. All right, all right, I'll tell you, Fatality croaks. It's the one called Major Force. Essentially, this is just a punchy-punchy run-run issue, but it's a glorious one to behold. Mars is setting all of this to have happened in the course of a day or so of Kyle getting back from space. So there's kind of a 24 vibe going along with all this, somewhat like Kyle having to go through a gauntlet of horribleness through before he can get his reward at the end of the series. At least that's what I'm hoping is coming out of the series. The reveal of Major Force at the end of the book wasn't a huge surprise, but it will be interesting to find out how he came back from the dead. As far as I know, Guy Gardner took care of him in Guy Gardner Warrior number 44, but 
as we all know, death really isn't the impairment in the DC universe as it is in the real world. So finding out that he's returned isn't all that shocking. And it once again begins to bring all the things that develop Kyle and his characters in the 90s full circle. The art by Luke Ross is great in some places, but some of some of his character designs are just a bit off. Then again, I think my opinions might have been influenced from coming off from the Ben Ray run, and that probably tainted my viewing and made me think this is just superlative. It's kind of like when you're starving in the de- when you're when you're dying of thirst in the desert, any form of water sounds good. Anything to drink sounds good. So this has just been it's been better than just anything to drink. This has been a refreshing, wonderful, rejuvenating beverage that I'm I'm glad to be ingesting and I need to get something to eat, I guess. Regardless, really enjoying the book, really enjoying the story so far, really enjoying the art. A significant uptick from what we had during the Ben Rave run, so I can't complain. Let's take a look at the rest of the book. Starting off with the cover, um, Brandon Peterson does an okay job for this cover, except for Fatality's face. It's kind of off. I think it's the eyes, particularly. The eyes tend to pop out a bit in the sort of bright blue. I'm not certain if that's the color of them in the book, but it just seems a bit off. And plus, she's got Bride of Frankenstein hair with the sort of energy crackling off of it. But otherwise, an okay, sort of muddy-looking cover. I think the indistinct color and really... I don't want to say, I guess indistinct is the best way to put inking on the cover, also kind of lessen it from previous covers that we've seen by Peterson. Pages one through three, is it really irony that a Dear John letter is how Marin decides to break up with John, with that Dear John letter being those stereotypical letters that GIs would get from their girlfriends, you know, saying that, oh, I found another man, and this is why I'm breaking up with you long distance, so... No idea. Maybe it is. Maybe that's me just trying to find irony things. On page two, Ross draws John's face a little skinnier than other artists have. He looks more photorealized like someone. Um, I'm not certain if he's supposed to look like a certain African-American actor, but he definitely doesn't look like John Stewart in previous issues. It's not that it's a bad image. It's just a little different. And then, of course, on page three, you get the sort of splash with John in his head, with his head in his hand, looking all dejected, and you can actually read the rest of the letter. It's uh, nice artwork. I guess it goes more to the letter, who was Jared Fletcher, but it's it's a nice way of depicting a breakup between John and Marin. And not only are we seeing things change and be wrapped up in Kyle's story, but we're also seeing things being changed and wrapped up in these stories of the other Greenlanders. I'm wondering if later on, being that Major Force is a part of this storyline, if Guy might not be sort of wrapped up in this story as well. This could be leading to the fact that maybe Ron Mars knows that Jeff Johns is writing Rebirth and that it's going to be primarily focusing on Hal. So maybe Mars felt that he needed to kind of write Guy, John, and Kyle out of the story. It's a theory. 
page six. I like the art that uh, Ross has done on this page of Kyle sort of channeling Doctor Strange in his pose here. He's sort of floating above the air with his hands out to the side, sort of risen up in a sort of Y position with his hands pointing down. It's a very, like I said, it's a very Steve Ditko-esque Doctor Strange thing when he was doing some sort of magic thing. And him conjuring up all of this this swarm of very anthropomorphic, well, not anthropomorphic, but very cartoony bees to attack Fatality. It's a really nice image here. I really like that. Page seven, Fatality is very clever in trying to take Kyle out as she punctures him in the neck with a tranquilizer dart. Now, supposedly the dart is in a tranquilizer because hopefully his ring would be able to defend him from that, but it's some sort of you know, highly deadly neurotoxin that makes him trip out really bad. I like this. I like the idea of if you can't take Green Lantern out by fighting him regularly, you know, fist to fist, you have to take out his mental process. If he can't concentrate and focus on creating constructs, he's basically worthless. And uh, Fatality tries to take him down this way, and it's a very clever way. And it also kind of predates Identity Crisis, where I think in either Chapter 3 or 4 of that, uh, Deathstroke the Terminator took down essentially half the Justice League by simply outthinking him. And one of the ways that he took out Green Lantern, I think, was like breaking his finger or something. And it basically, the pain caused him to not be able to focus on making constructs. So I like the fact that it was done here prior to that, where it's probably best known as, or best known from. Page eight, we get some more really good art from Ross as we see the real world version of what's going on versus the version of Kyle, what's Kyle is seeing. And it's all in sort of this reddish hued color and fatality looks very demonic. Her hand is as long as in a very claw like manner and her, she's got the sort of vampiric face and teeth. It's, it's basically saying, don't do drugs, kids don't do drugs. Then moving on to page 10, we get a couple of nice depictions on how the drug is affecting Kyle first with his inability to form constructs as he tries to make one of those sort of Chinese dragon constructs but it really can't fully form. It's just a sort of spiral slinky version of it, which is again, really good art. And then on the next panel, when he tries to get away, his, his flight path is all wonked up. He's running into buildings and can't fly straight and everything. So Ross is doing a good job in the art depicting how this is affecting Kyle. Page 12, just a little Easter egg here as Kyle is being taken down by Fatality. He crashes into a warehouse by the harbor called the Mars and Tomasi Marine Aviation Center, which obviously is based off Ron Mars and Peter Tomasi, the writer and editor of the book. So nice, nice little Easter egg there. Pages 14 through 15, we get a really good two-page splash depicting the USS Intrepid, Intrepid docked in the harbor. And that's one of the things I like about this book and what Ross has been doing in it. He puts a lot of real-world feel into it. Um, like this scene, especially, the ship, you're looking at it from the point of Kyle being in the water, so you're just seeing sort of from the water's view of it looking up to the ship. But 
Ross has done a really amazing job at putting these details in there. And a couple of issues ago, I think last issue, he had uh, Kyle sitting around in Central Park, and a lot of the buildings in the background looked very familiar from Google Map uh, versions of Central Park that I took a look at online. So um, credit to Ross that he's actually doing his due diligence and coming in and trying to draw the cityscape and the landscapes around there correctly. Page 16, Kyle gets his James Bond moment as he tells the uh, rushing fatality, you expect me to lie down, and then as she uh, gets ready to slice his neck, she goes, no, I expect you to die. So, nice little, uh, what is it, Dr. No moment? No, Goldfinger moment. My bad, my bad. Page 19, here's where I can see Kyle might be getting into a little trouble with property damage here. He did just crash an expensive Dady fighter jet into an under-construction apartment building. Supposedly, there was no one there, as it's supposed to be nighttime, so you've got to assume it's abandoned. But that's a lot of property damage that Kyle racked up, including the destruction of government property with the jet from the naval aircraft carrier. I can only assume that's why in 2004, my taxes went up ridiculously. Thanks, Kyle. And thanks, IRS. Page 21, Major Force at this time wasn't a complete surprise since I saw an upcoming issue with him on the cover, but I bet if I was reading it at this time, I would really be shocked. This is a really great ending, and I think, once again, Luke Ross does a good job depicting Major Force. He looks, he's got that sort of militaristic, crew-cut, very Dolph Lundgren-type Rocky Four look. And obviously, he's very beefy. you seeing veins sticking all out of his neck and everything. So he's an imposing figure, and it's a nice image of him to sort of finish out the book and let you know that stuff just got real. But overall, once again, another great book by Ron Mars. Another interesting way to end the Kyle Rayner story. And I keep looking forward to the next issue. He's drawn me in, he looks like he's going to wrap things up, and he's bringing back all of Kyle's major foes. I can't wait to see how this ends, and hopefully you'll be able to stick with me as well. But before we end up the show, let's go ahead and take a quick look at some of the ads in the book, see if there's anything fun in there. The front inside cover is an advertisement for the Game Boy Advance SP, and it's got a bunch of varying different uh, characters that uh, you can play in there, including Link, Mario, Samus... Got a bunch of mini guns running around. So, the Game Boy Advance, your first full color flip screen Nintendo portable gaming system. There you go. Then we've got the Magic the Gathering ad once again. I guess this one comes with the CD-ROM as well. I guess maybe you could play. Uh, you could play at MagicTheGathering.com. Interesting. I guess you collected cards online as well. Never knew that. Then this is kind of new. We've got an advertisement for the Teen Titans. It's that's not the Teen Titans Go, but it's the it's the mid two thousand Teen Titans cartoon, and it's basically little toys for the characters. I remember my kids having some of these toys. They were like three and a quarter inch uh, articulated toys. I think they bend at the elbows, and the representation, the sort of anime type style of the show. So that's kind of neat. I didn't know that they came with uh, like little fantastic car type motorcycles and stuff that they could link together and form a giant teen titan cycle but hey i guess that's cool 
You get the advertisement for Zap Zit, the uh, Oxy Cream that uh, supposed to take care of zits. Nice. Another advertisement for the Game Boy Advance. This time talking about the game Mario vs. Donkey Kong. Not certain if this. It looks like it might be a somewhat of a platformer, but it doesn't look like a side scroller. It looks more along the lines of maybe Super Mario sixty four. No idea. I'm certain. I'm hoping that the Game Boy Advance might be able to do something like that. And then in the middle of the book, we get another advertisement for Mario vs. Donkey Kong, and it's the sort of anime versions of them. And I guess I guess Nintendo was pulling out all stops with the with the Game Boy Advance. So there you go. A few more pages. We get the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban video game. Once again, tie-in games are usually not all that good. Then you get an advertisement for. That says Hacker, Speed Freak, Bounty Hunter, Warrior, Shredder, So Who Are You, the Player's Choice Collection for the Nintendo GameCube, including games such as Soul Calibur, Metroid Prime, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4, let's see, Mario Party, and I can't read this. Looks like Gradius? I can't tell. But I guess it's a pack of games starting at 1999 for the Nintendo GameCube. Man, I wish games nowadays came out for nineteen ninety nine. Sixty bucks for Arkham Knight, if if not more. But you know, at least if you're buying it for the uh, PS4 or the Xbox One, it'll come not buggy. Buy it for the computer, your SOL. Uh, after that, you get an advertisement for another card game. This time, it's not Magic; it's Duel Masters: Evo Crushinators of Doom. Okay, sure, why not? And then the the uh, DC in demand talks about uh, some new comics: Batman number fifty three, JLA one hundred, and Doom Patrol another one, number one. Sorry, and uh, I guess who's this written by? I guess John Byrne did the Doom Patrol. I I had no idea he did Doom Patrol, but I'm certain that was a thing. Plus, they're also building up for the Catwoman movie which they seem to be really excited about because Catwoman. Yeah. Uh, the back inside cover is that ad for the hunky guy playing guitar in Urban Up uh, Sportswear that you can get at Kohl's. And the back outside cover is, once again, the Free Justice League Adventures comic book when you buy Sour Patch or Sour Punch straws, which are basically Sour Patch Kid licorice, maybe? I don't know. It's just League Animated Adventures. But that was a fun issue and average ads. I'm looking forward to the next issue. i got to get reading it and taking notes because I want to find out what the heck's going on with Major Force. Hopefully you guys will want to find out as well. So if you want to learn about what's going on in issue number 179 of Green Lantern, make sure to tune in in seven days and I'll tell you all about it. Until then, everyone, have a good week. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingle. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respected copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. 
All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed, too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at the brand new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers, and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Two True Freaks Presents Just One of the Guys Podcast, and you can subscribe to the show there. You can search for me on Facebook as well, and now you can find me there, as it was a requirement of my new Demonza Core contract. But it doesn't mean that I'll be joining your little Candy Crush group anytime soon. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. The opening song for today's show was Philip Phillips and his song Home, from the album World from the Side of the Moon. If you'd like to buy this song, or buy any other songs from winners or past winners or failed members of the American Idol singing group, including Kelly Clarkson, ooh, Kelly Clarkson, or even Ruben Stuttered, poor, poor Ruben Stuttered, you could buy them all at Amazon.com. However, if you want to help out the Two True Freaks website, first go to twotruefreaks.com. When you go to twotruefreaks.com, there's a banner in the upper left-hand corner of the web page. Click on that, and you'll be transported to Amazon.com, and every purchase you make there will shoot a little bit of money back to the Two True Freaks website. It won't cost you anything extra in your purchases, but it really does help out a wonderful bunch of podcasters. So if you're thinking about buying music from Kelly Clarkson... Kelly Clarkson, except that horrible from Justin to Kelly movie. Don't buy that. But if you're thinking of buying anything from Amazon.com, make sure you use the link at twotruefreaks.com. It's the ring he wants, and he's not terribly concerned whether your head is attached to it or not. Nope, that's wrong. Hoping to get some answers, Kyle rings up some old men to dig this sexy slit. Hoping to get some answers, Kyle rings up some sec- sexy mole man, Lord.